Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Talk Junkies, where tonight's going to be a very interesting night, as it is each and every single week here at the Talk Junkies household. We've got Jesse in the house. How you doing, brother? Doing well. Uh, any For any of you who are wondering, uh, we've kind of taken a two-week hiatus, um, just a lot of stuff going on right now, but tune in to the last podcast we did. I had Caprice Lee, an author, on. Um, we talked about instead of home, instead of schooling, and it was a really good podcast. Uh, we went in-depth with the public education system and what all of that entails. And she's a big advocate for homeschooling and how that can change your child's, your, your child's mindset, their life, and the future of what it is to be a part of this society that we're in. But this week's going to be very interesting. I've uh, been in contact with this gentleman. Uh, it's been a couple months now. I've been looking forward to this podcast within those couple of months. And right now, I, I feel like, Jesse, I've been defeated sometimes when we talk about taxes, man. And the amount of taxes that were that are put upon us when you go out to the grocery store, whenever you look at personal property taxes, whenever you look at your income tax, whenever you look at all these different types of taxes, I've always been fascinated to talk to someone about taxes. And yep. here we are tonight. Yep. Here we go. <laughs> here we are tonight. We got Chris Jericho Cherico uh joining the show to talk just about all of those things. Uh Chris, how you doing man? Thanks for joining Talk Junkies. Yeah, happy to be with you guys. I appreciate um you reaching out. For sure, man. So you're from the 919. So I appreciate that. And I'm sure you got a lot of good plugs out there. But tell us a little bit about yourself, man, and your journey and, and how you ended up where you are. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. So 20 years of running my own personal training business. Um, it was just time for a career change. And uh, almost all my clients were self-employed. So, you know, when you work with someone three, four times a week, you end up learning about what their pain points are. And the self-employed person, as well as the W-2 earner, really struggled with their relationship with their tax professional. Um, so the soft skills from personal training rolled over really well to resolving tax problems. Um, and that's been my niche. About 80% of what I do is resolving problems. The other 20% is just year-end tax prep. Okay, so before we get into what we talked about on the phone earlier, I kind of want to just get a generalization of, of how we got ourselves or how we kind of got into the position. Why, why do you think that taxes aren't necessarily brought in? Why, why don't we learn it in public education to the, to the extent of what it's thrown at us when you're an adult? Um, I think it's confusing for a lot of people. Um, and that subject matter just gets pushed off to the side. It'd be a really good thing to introduce a lot earlier. Same thing with money management. I think those are two subjects that um, are definitely not taught and would do a lot better to learn than say geometry for the most part, or a lot of things that just, you learn it just to pass an exam where this is, it's a lifelong thing. It's part of everything you do. Like you said, from the grocery store to property taxes, income taxes, it's never ending. Um, and people struggle with budgets and that would be something you're spot on would be great to introduce much earlier in someone's life. Okay. So, it, 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 and even in saying that, just introducing it at an earlier age, um, whenever you look at the scale of, of what is going on, and, and like I talked to you on the phone, we, we kind of left England because of taxation without representation. Do you feel like we're in that type of environment now? How necessary are taxes? Like, it, like I said, the, the amount of taxes that's thrown, out, thrown at us, how necessary is that in this type of society? Well, I think it's necessary, but I think it's also very poorly spent. Um, and I think a lot of subject matter that we don't talk about, like term limits and other things where people just they're they go in as a public servant and then they come out rich. And that's not how it should be. 
but that's funded by taxpayer money. So those as well as all different programs and these programs are just, they're draining the taxpayer. And often I'll hear from a client, you know, healthcare is free, you know, and it's free up until you exceed whatever the income is that you shared that you would make. And then you're going to pay dearly for it um, through Obamacare, for example. Um, and I, I recently was asked a question from a friend and she gets RMDs, um, required minimum distributions, about $150,000 a year. And those don't go against what she um, will have to share that she makes in order to get free health care. So if her earned income is low enough, she'll get free health care and bring it into her household more than most families make. And then you and I are paying that tax bill. So it just doesn't make sense all the way around. But she's not doing anything wrong. She's just, you know, playing by the rules of the system. So to afford what she gets as a healthcare subsidy, um, I think they're doing the wrong calculations as to what she can or can't afford. That's kind of that's interesting. That is, but but how do, how do you even get to that point though? The, so w- within that own system, there are ways to go around it and, and ways to play by the game. Essentially, is what you're saying. Yeah, and she's you know she has an inheritance, so that inheritance that. Um, let's say was previously taxed or it's taxed accordingly. Um, but the fact that she'll have 150, 200,000 coming into her household and she still can get an, in essence, free healthcare to her, th- it just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't. So, um, but again, that's playing by the rules. It's how it's set up. Um, someone smarter may be able to tell you that's exactly how it should be for these reasons, but to me, it just doesn't doesn't add up. And that was through Obamacare, you said? Yeah, so that's how she's getting the, the free health care is her income is low enough to get the free health care, but it's not what she brings in for the year. It's what she actually earns that's low enough. Right. Now, I can kind of see where that comes from. I mean, whether or not you get inheritance or not and, and you have that money, I mean, I guess if you got an, a large amount of money, it wouldn't make, it make sense that you'd be able to apply for something like that, but... Uh, I don't know. That's kind of strange. Do Do you think that the taxation um, systems that we have now are like purposefully um, complicated? Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. The person self preparing a tax return, it's almost inviting you to make a mistake. So, and if it's not in your favor, you're probably not going to hear from the IRS to say, "Hey, Jesse, you made a mistake, and we owe you money back." I mean, that that does periodically happen, but that's not how it's designed. It's more if you leave out something or you do your math incorrectly, then you're going to get a bill. And that bill isn't timely. It's normally two or three years down the road that you're getting a bill. Um, so at that point, you cannot amend a return in order to um, offset that and possibly save money in other areas that you were unaware of. You can just dispute what it is or pay it. Um, which, which is what you make a good point, though, because throughout throughout the year, I mean, I'm 33 now and just recently um I, you know, I was just scrolling through my emails and I got in this email and it said, Hey Paul, like you are owed this money for some unclaimed taxes that you never received. And a lot of the times you brush through those emails, you're like, Oh, it's spam, blah, blah, blah. But I actually, you know, I, I think being 33, I can kind of tell a real email email from not a real email and come to find out there's a website that you can go to and find out what money is owed to you through the, the tax, you know, the tax system or whatever it is. And for it to be that far off, you're talking mm-hmm. five to 10 years. This is when I lived at 404, even before at Casey Drive. 
you're talking a, a large amount of time. And I think this is a good way to segue into the, the IRS hiring 87,000 agents. Is that the reason why? Is they're trying to, to make things make things more timely mannered? No, I really don't think it is. I mean, that 87,000 employees are due. There's going to be some retiring. So there's the attrition that they're going to make up for. But they've also shared that more than half of that budget is going to go towards enforcement. So um, and that's what people are scared about, because from my perspective, as a practitioner that calls the IRS line in order to represent my clients, you know, they're answering 2.6 percent in um, last year in 2021 of the calls that come in. I mean, in 2.6 percent, the IRS, like what, what they stand for is providing American taxpayers top quality service. Nothing at 2.6 percent is top quality service. And what makes it more devastating is when you realize that 375 million calls come in. So that means 365 million calls went unanswered. So if you get a notice in the mail and you can't get through, nobody's scared of an agency more than the IRS. Your heart's going to skip a beat if you get a piece of fan mail from them. So if you can't get through, regardless of who you are, that's that's something that's going to be weighing on you. Um, so, no, I, I really don't. I, I hope it's for um, people being able to reach out and actually get some answers. But with those numbers, another if it's half of it, another 40,000 employees are not going to be able to field those calls. So, I mean, in, in the end, the IRS is just a business like trying to acquire money. Why spend all this time and effort going after smaller individual like small businesses i i know some people who have small businesses that are just cursing the government as of late like they'll, they'll curse biden or whatever for and i don't even know like the details but they curse biden for oh it's i can't even have my small businesses because of the taxes right now and all this and they're putting so much effort going after those people when they're like jeff bezos as an individual which I don't know how accurate this is, but this is just things that I hear, you know, online or whatever, that he hasn't paid a dollar in taxes in X amount of years, and there's so much money there. And so it becomes very frustrating for a common person to be like, why are you going out, you know, for my head when there's so much money there that, that it would, you know, that you can just get your money there? Why are you so much worried about me, you know, in a small community kind, kind of sure. thing? Sure. I, I think it's because there's more of you than there are of Jeff's. And at that point, um, it's Jeff is going to have the representation in order to either fight it or make sure it's done in his favor. Um, whereas you, the three of us aren't going to necessarily always have access to that representation if there is an error in our favor, um, or, you know, something that we overlooked in order to dispute it. It just becomes that opportunity cost of what are you going to just write a check for and put it behind you, um, just based on the fear factor alone or how it's going to then slow down your your life. Doesn't that um, sound a little bit like praying on the week a little bit? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I'm not saying that's it's right. I'm just saying that's the reality. That's just the reality of it. Of it. I, I got you. I got you. Yeah, I picked up a client the other day, self-employed. He describes his business as drinking from the fire hose. So he has a very successful business. He didn't get into the business in order to have the back of the house stuff in place. And then he's getting a notice and an audit from 2016 because they want to see whether or not he was charging sales tax properly. So whether he is or he isn't, 
it's just one of those things where he's overwhelmed with trying to keep food on the table and growing something and just didn't have the stuff in place to do it properly. That's how he's being told it. Now, once we dove into it, there's nothing that he's going to owe. But at what point is he just going to cut a check to be done with it as opposed to get proper representation? Um, and not everybody's like me that you know, charges flat fees in order to do what I do. A lot of times it's a retainer. You know, if it's a, hey, you know, um, Paul, it's 10 grand for me to represent you. Maybe you don't have the 10 grand in order to have it done. It's not, you know, so at that point, what are your options? So, but he didn't do anything wrong. Um, and in his situation, I can talk a little bit about it. Um, he was doing very large projects uh, in a roofing situation. So he doesn't have to charge it in the state that he lives in for the roofing aspect. If he was going in doing smaller projects, fixing the ceiling from a wet spot and putting in boots and all the little stuff, then that was something that he may have a sales tax liability. But again, he doesn't know any better. Where were you in 2016 to even go backwards and think in that kind of situation? So it's complicated. It shouldn't be where you're reaching back six years to try to figure out something like is he that are they that far behind? I think it's strategic from my perspective. Cuz cuz they know that you're kind of fumbling at that point. And it's harder to yeah, defend yourself. Yeah, they're going to look and see the the growth and they're going to know exactly what makes it worthwhile. If he was bringing in grossing let's say 1.2 million dollars and then he wasn't having his sales tax properly charged or whether he was collecting it, and they want to see his invoices and they're going it's an in-depth yeah. dive. It's not just looking at a tax return. Um and you know, so it's hoping he's keeping his proper records and then not oversharing and causing more problems for himself while he's going through the process. So I'm a buffer for them in order to make sure he's properly sharing what he should be sharing and not causing more issues as he goes through the process. Yeah. Like I couldn't tell you what I had for dinner last Wednesday and heaven forbid I have to go back, you know, eight years you know, as far as what some paperwork taxes were, you know. Well, you keep those types of things for what, seven years or whatever it is, whatever they require or. Yeah. And they can go deeper if they see something that was blatantly done wrong, too. So but no, it just makes it very it's very overwhelming. And now he's got to put, in essence, work on hold in order for him to um, be That's able to interact properly with me or the the revenue officer. That's unfortunate. So w w when people are in these types of situations, I'm curious, Chris, on just how much the Constitution plays into these types of things. And, and maybe it's kind of a weird question, but I, I feel like the, the Constitution has anything to do with well, I mean, it, taxes, I mean, per se. I mean, I feel like it should. I mean, just and, and again, maybe I'm wrong, but the Constitution lays out a foundation for how America should, you know, how it should run when it, with all the things going on right now. Is there any type of constitutionality that goes into your type of work with a gentleman that you just described when it comes to sales tax or anything like that? No, I don't necessarily think so. Um, I think it's just, you know, I think really what's drawing him to their attention is his gross receipts. Um, and then it's just, um, you know, you know, it's maybe just, you know, they, they look at social media. So from that standpoint, I know we got off the Constitution side of it, but they're looking to see how you're living your life in order to know um, if you're saying, you you know, you when it comes to the resolution side, if you're saying you can't pay or you're going through a tough time, but then you're living this elaborate lifestyle, that's something that they're they're looking at. Um, but sorry to get more onto what you were asking. Um, no, I, I don't think the Constitution kind of weighs into it from my perspective. 
Okay. And no specific reason why. I mean, I, again, like I talked about earlier, that's the reason we left England was taxation without representation. So whenever you build a constitution and a foundation for 330 million people, which they never knew that that's the extent of the population. Everybody technically has representation for what they're being taxed in. Unless you're in a position of somebody with civil death. So, like, let's say you have a felony. and I'll, Okay, this is actually a good question for you and how you feel about this. So somebody who has a felony and can no longer vote, um, but they still have to pay income tax just like a normal person. Do you think that that should be adjusted because I no longer have representation because I can't vote because of a civil death, but yet I'm still paying the same amount of taxes? Should that be, should I be taxed less because of that? No, I, I would think you should be taxed equally. I don't think that you should be taxed less. Almost to me, that would seem like a benefit from for that standpoint. I mean, right, because then people would vote, just get a minor felony and then, you know, <laughs> not have to pay taxes on their, yeah, you know, billion you, you dollar get income. preferential tax treatment because you're not going to, you know, some people at this point are thinking, is their vote even adding up? So yeah. um, it is an interesting yeah. question, I think. But yeah. I, I would, I mean, I Depending on what that felony will limit me doing, I may take your offer on that. Yeah, yeah. no, exactly, right? But it, I, I think that one's an interesting question. I, I've thought about that one before whenever it comes to a civil death. But, um, uh, man, I had another question. Now I can't even think of it. Um, well, I mean, uh, it, it, whenever you like, whenever you become a lawyer, like it's a process, right? And you have to uphold the Constitution. So I guess like my biggest question throughout all of this process is like, Again, just the amount of taxes that are going on and that, I mean, again, and this is a big thing on, on TikTok when people are like, you know, they, they paint this picture, right? And they're like, you get taxed on your income and then you go to the store and then you get taxed on all the food and all the, all the goods that you buy. You buy a car, you get taxed on that and that's sales tax. And, not, and, and, and then after that, you pay personal property tax on that car. You know, it's just... I guess what I'm saying is how did we get away from it? Because to me, it almost seems like we went right back into just the same situation we were in in the first place. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I've never thought about it that way specifically, but you're right. It's, it's every time you turn around, you're taxed when it comes to you know, every aspect of your life, whether it's the income tax, the sales tax, payroll tax property tax, you know, it, it's never, it's never ending. So no, I agree with you. And I think when you add it up as to how much of an impact it touches in your life, it's just, it's, it's devastating. And then you're not generally getting what you want, whether it's a road that doesn't have potholes in it, or it's a, this education you want for your kids. I was about to say schooling, schooling properly the big set one. up. Are they safe? Are you getting what you need when it comes to that? Are you getting the representation in, Congress and the Senate and, you know, the president that you want? Are they caring about you and your what you care about? Or is it just all going to the wayside? Well, and you, and you see a large proportion, I guess this would kind of be my next question is you see a lot of that money funneling into the military budget of the, of the United States. What is it? It's like over $800 billion last I checked. How, how much I mean, when it comes to I, I don't know if you delve into that type of thing, like when it comes to national taxes and stuff like that. How, do, how does that all kind of work where most of our money is going to a military budget? Yeah, and I don't touch that side of okay. it, but it would be the, the federal taxes that um, you're paying on the income side. That's where that's getting, you know, whatever portion of it is funded from that perspective. Okay. Um, okay. And then the state's obviously taking their portion for however it's spent. And then I guess you would just look at the state budgets in order to decide is it well spent or how it's allocated. Gotcha. Because of how much complexity there is within the IRS and 
all this, the taxation that happens within all that, there has to be an error somewhere where there is money lost. Is that ever noted by the IRS of how much money actually is either floating that is owed to people or mistaxed people that didn't do it? That Because there's got to be some floating money somewhere within the, like, like in my mind, I'm like, there's no way that there's just not a bunch of money floating somewhere in a void. Like, what, what happens with that money? You yeah, know? well, I think the only number that they really share are unclaimed refunds. So... Um, and sometimes that's an estimate from their perspective, but that's for the whomever is not filing a tax return that should be filing a tax return in order to get that money back. Um, and you'd be shocked how many people don't file a tax return. And then after three years from the due date, that's no longer accessible to them. Um, and, and I see it all the time. And it's something that for the person that's compliant and files their return, you can't imagine not filing a return. But if I'm in a group of 10 people, you know, whether it's a BNI type function or playing pickleball, and I know there's 10 people around me, three have a problem easily. So when that problem is, is either they're not filing a return, they owe money, um, or they're unhappy with whomever they're working with. And that's, that's, you know, in my opinion, a problem as well. So I'm sure you can Google how much money goes unclaimed from that perspective. Um, if it's a married couple, often it's one not filing, and then the other one is kind of stuck to not being able to file. Um, I helped a gentleman and his dad had dementia. Um, and in that scenario, we were talking about, I mean, each year it's about a $15,000 refund. Um, and we were able to recapture it for going backwards two or three years and then the current year and then forward one or two before he passed away. And in that scenario, you're talking 15 grand times the three years that we went back plus the current. And it was just because his, he didn't know his dad was kind of not doing what he said he was doing. And the tax professional wasn't then reaching out to, you know, Paul's kid in order to say, Hey, your dad hasn't been sending his stuff. If I don't have a client that responds to me, which why after would they? A while, I just think they've gone elsewhere. Which, why would they do that? If you're, if you're you know, 15 grand. It doesn't, it doesn't sound yeah. like, in my opinion, the IRS isn't some, like, out-to-help individuals. They're, they're, and I agree with you, but they, yeah. they should be. I mean, oh, yeah. at that point, there should be some level of... Because your tax uh, money is paying for them, too, which is almost yeah. kind of ironic, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but if you, just, if you don't file that tax return, and then it just goes into the system... And it's still being used. I mean, let's say I resolve a problem for a client and they haven't filed a tax return in five, seven years, let's say. And we start preparing the returns to get them compliant. But those older years, they don't even get applied to the current year balances. So if that person had 15 grand in refunds, let's say in 2017 and 18, and those are too old to get, but then it was a balance in 19, 20 and 21. It doesn't go to offsetting that. And to me, that's not right. No, so at that point, they're not even out there to help you in the first place. If they can charge you from seven years ago, but you can only get your money back from three years ago, that 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 is ass backwards, in my opinion. Yeah. That's crazy. That's just yeah. a system set up for failure at that point. Sounds like a I mean, yeah, I, I guess just... more or less it's to entice you if you get money back to do your taxes. But still, that's that's absolutely insane. Yeah. And then the whole COVID relief, in my opinion... 
people were so excited to get that check for $600 and then $1,200 and then in the current year for 2021, $1,400. But what I think it's really done, it's brought people to the radar. So now you filed a return. So now they're going to think uh, Jesse hasn't filed a return in 15 and 14, and but he did file in the most recent two years in order to get those. So now it's I think that's going to bring more attention to you okay. in order to be like, well, why did or didn't you file a return in 2019 or 18? Damn. So, so they got and all those people. Know. They got all those people who weren't filing taxes with COVID, which is such a <laughs> minuscule <laughs> amount of money anyway. Whenever you think about it in the long run, well, like, hold on, like but those you, amounts you, of money. But were... in order to get the COVID relief, you had to be up to date on on your taxes, did you not? Well, you there were there was a way to circumvent filing a tax return to get the money, but most people filed a return. So right. that's where I see them now being front and center. You know whether you know another reason why I think the system's broken. If you're so I did personal training for 20 years. No one ever gave me a 1099. So it's just not deductible to them. But I still filed tax returns because I wanted to be an adult. I wanted to buy a house. I wanted to be able to do everything an adult does. And you can't if you don't file a return for the major events like buying a house. You know, but again, they can use bank statements in order to circumvent that. But it's a much higher tax rate. So why again that's my opinion of the system being broken because pretend that you're self-employed in that kind of a situation you're making good money no one files a 1099 on you so you have to be responsible enough to put the money aside to pay the tax you're going to owe now it's supposed to be put aside quarterly but let's say you don't even do the quarterly and you're going to pay a, um, a tax bill at the end of the year so it's like you're volunteering to pay tax at that point because it's not a W-2 from working at Starbucks, and then you either had enough money withheld or was a little bit shy. This is literally coming to the table to say, I made this, these were my expenses, and this is what I owe. So the system shouldn't be broken in that way. So, But if nobody's filing a 1099, you're completely off the radar. Uh, I had a situation with a client where he owned like 20 rental properties, and in that scenario, he never filed a tax return. So, but you got to think you're paying rent in that scenario. There's nobody filing a 1099 because rent's not deductible. So he's going to the bank with how much is rent for 20 years. So if you're going back to like 1990 and you're going to say he's going to the bank with what thousand dollars a month, that's not setting off any bells and whistles at the bank. If he's going you know, every other day to the bank with a check for a grand, it's not a big deal from that perspective. So again, the system's broken in that capacity. Um, but did building it, equity and properties. But uh, this might be a really stupid question, but I want to say this before I get too far off here between, um, between a traditional bank and then you have, um, like, uh, Oh man, I'm blanking out on it. The, the unions, uh, credit union, credit unions. Yeah. Is there any benefit to a taxpayer having their money going through a credit union or a bank whenever it comes to taxes or just the IRS doesn't give a shit, basically? They, like no, they, there's no difference to that. Okay. So, I mean, if they're going to do a have a lien or a levy on your property or garnish a bank there, there's account. There's no like safety gonna... safety net between that. The IRS yeah, is God, basically. There's no, there's no difference when it comes to that side of things. Okay. I just wanted to get that out of the way before I forgot. Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of weird to me, though. Like, whenever, like, if you talk about a guy who has twenty rentals and he never did income, or he never did his taxes, or or what have you, there are a couple questions that come to mind to me. Is one, 
does are the properties paid off and then how much profit is he making I, I don't know like how do you even I guess I guess that's a good question you would still if you have rental properties still have to file taxes though and yeah he should have but he never did but if you're paying but let's say you don't own the house but people are renting out and you're only making a couple hundred extra bucks off that rental they tax that couple extra hundred you know what I'm saying I don't know how that works so he should have been filing at the end of the year, and let's say rent was a thousand a month, so twelve grand, and then let's say he had property tax of three grand, that would be deductible, and then let's say he had expenses of four grand, so he should be paying tax on um, what five grand, six grand, no matter what the theory. profit he made off of, just the five yeah. grand, okay, correct, okay. yeah. So the the total that came in minus his expenses. In theory, if we're just doing a ballpark, that's where we kind of start. If assuming that you're not putting depreciation of the property in there, just for a basic example, total okay. income minus expenses, and then he'd owe tax on that. Right. So we're kind of jumping around here, man. And Chris, it's, it's, this has been awesome, man. We've never had someone <laughs> that can talk about these types of things. So again, I appreciate it. But I, I kind of want to bring it back to just, I mean, how can you delve into Social Security tax at all? Not, not really. That's not my strength. Okay. Um, and I don't do payroll tax. So okay. that, that I think would kind of go hand in hand. I can introduce right. you to somebody that would be another huge topic for you. Okay. Um, what about the, uh, how does the, the feds, uh, the, the rate hike affect Americans tax wise? Is, is that something you can go into? Not so much. So the rate hike, you're talking about mortgage or? Well, I'm just saying like they, they, they've been raising it. Like I feel like quarterly, just like, like, a basis point, you know, close to a basis point each every each quarter. So, um, so I, I got I got this one. I'm sorry. It's all right. Those are two questions. That, you know what I'm saying? Um, so I think last year Biden came out with a tax plan, or it was within the COVID stimulus package or whatever it was, where they built in that they wanted to tax anyone who was making over six hundred dollars via PayPal or Venmo or Cash App. Have you seen any of that in your practice at all? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, because that's it used to be if somebody had like a side hustle or something that was smaller, um, that was off the radar. So this is definitely another way to bring those um, earners um, to light from that standpoint. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I mean, because, again, just because you're using the convenience of one of those apps shouldn't be where you're off the radar from that standpoint. So um, but yeah, that's going to, again, make a lot more people. Um, have to file a tax return um, in in that situation. So, uh, so I, I, I don't think that's bad. I mean, I'm all for people being compliant, um, and I'm all for you paying the least amount of tax you're entitled to. Um, but what I see mostly are the problem side of things. So, um, just so you know, more my niche is that side of it. Right. But yeah. Okay. But like for me, like I, I was talking to someone who comes into my work, and he and he was like, yeah, he's like, I Venmo my wife all the child support money to pay for like insurance, food, all that shit. He's like, they, they don't go through a, a party through the the local government. They, he actually Venmo's her money. And I'm like, dude, you might you need to be careful because they might be taxing her or if she's receiving this amount of money. And I was like, I, I don't really know how that works. You're supposed to have the business set up as more of a business account through the Venmo, as opposed to if it was a personal account. So if, um, if I had a guardian tax solution Venmo account, then that would be taxed differently than Chris Cherico Venmo account. And then that way, how it's noted when you pay the person would indicate whether or not he was doing something that was more of a business transaction or more of just, hey, you know, I owe Jesse money for lunch type of thing. 
So it, how you note it on there is definitely important. So whether or not, so it basically comes down to how it's noted at that point. Well, one, number one, it should be a business. If you're paying someone that's providing a service for you, you should be paying their business, not them personally per se. Right. So if they have it set up where um, if I did your taxes and you were Venmo and Chris Jericho, that wouldn't necessarily be the right route. Um, that's more on me than it is you. But people try to circumvent the system all the time, right. like whether it's a, someone at a hair salon renting a booth and then they're just saying, hey, Venmo me the money if you don't have cash as opposed to using the credit card because they're sidestepping the, the fee of a credit card. Um, and the convenience factor is doing the Venmo as opposed to having cash on hand. So there has to be a, a way in, in the technological advancement of what the society is for there to be taxes had in that type of environment. Yeah, and I think this may be another thing. Two, three years down the line, that person gets a notice saying, you know, in 2021, we saw you were getting X amount of dollars. And then um, that person's wife is going to have to say, no, it was child support money or alimony or whatever it was in order to. But it's, I don't think it's going to pop up anytime soon. That's crazy. Man. That is. That's crazy. Yeah, that's insane. I mean, yeah. but but it's come. It was coming. There, there's no way around it. The, the, again, the the IRS is going to find a way to tax what it is that they believe that they should tax. Yeah. Well, on your, you were telling me, I believe that you self prepared your return, correct? I tried. Yeah. I, I'm a little bit late. I haven't filed yet. I know I'm going to pay the penalty. I need to do it. But I was very, um, I was very, I, I was not. I've tried to do this a few years back and it's the same situation. I don't feel like I did it the right way. Granted, TurboTax mm -hmm. has a great website. You know, they put you in, they give you great steps to do what it is you need to do. I still don't feel like I did it the right way. Yeah. And I'm happy to review for it. If review it for you, if you'd like, my question to you was, um, did it, I know we talked about the stimulus check money, um, also called the recovery rebate credit. So they've named it two or three things. I think again, to just keep it confusing, but it did it ask you, um, uh, cryptocurrency question. Did you buy, sell, dispose of? For sure. And I definitely it literally was just on my mind. That was another topic I wanted to bring up. And it, I think crypto's fascinating with with how it's taken shape and, and how it's ran up this massive hill with Bitcoin hitting 75,000 only what last year at some point. And then you see it come down back all the way down to 16,000. I think crypto is fascinating. And yes, TurboTax, TurboTax did ask me that question about my crypto investments and stuff like that. And, and I think you even take it broader than that, Chris, you look at these apps like Robinhood and Ameritrade and Coinbase a lot of that plays into the taxes as well. And especially with crypto, I think that's a great point that you bring up. How does that kind of work? So there, you know, people don't realize when they sign their tax return, it's under penalty of perjury. So that's huge when it comes to if you're saying, no, I didn't play around with any crypto. Um, and then they find out, let's say they subpoena Coinbase or something to get their user list. And then they find your name on there. Then you potentially cause yourself a big problem. And I'll see it with I had a client one year. She reached out and she wanted to amend her tax return because um, she was unhappy with the outcome of the return that the tax professional prepared um, due to her taxable implications of her gain on her crypto. And then she's like, I, I didn't have any of this. So I was like, highly unlikely that the tax professional prepared your return and just made up the crypto numbers. So I just put her name into LinkedIn and her, her background banner 
was cryptocurrency. And I'm just kind of like, you know, number one red flag that I'm going to uh, amend or return that another tax professional prepare without it being very solid that I'm seeing, you know, what they may have done wrong. But at that point, you know, I just let her know that. And, and then she eventually did amend it. She found someone to amend it because at that point I had a power of attorney on her. And before I withdrew the power of attorney, I received some mail that she actually amended her return. So, I mean, it's like, you know, she's definitely playing with fire when it comes to that. It may have taken her a while to find somebody that either doesn't do enough research to amend the return or was new to the industry and just, you know, uh, amended it for her. She may have done it herself, but you got to remember you're signing under penalty of perjury. So that crypto question is, you know, not to, you can, you can, you can do anything you want with the crypto. They're not saying you can't, they're just asking that just like they should have asked you or TurboTax should have asked, did you have any foreign bank accounts in 2021? For sure. Um, But so, but within that, when it comes to stocks and cryptocurrency, because I think they're both becoming very similar. I think crypto's definitely fallen in line with what it is to be a stock. Um, if you don't take any losses, or let's say you, I bought, let's say I bought twenty thousand shares in, in Dogecoin or Bitcoin or whatever it is, and I don't touch it, I don't touch any net profit and any, I don't take any losses, nothing like that. Are you required to report anything in that moment? No, then you just check in the box. Um, just like, that you just did like stocks, right? Buy, okay. sell, receive, um, but you don't have to. There's the gains that you had in that. You haven't sold anything yet, so it's treated just like a stock. You have it correct in its taxable implications. It's once you sell it, that's when you're going to have to report it on a Schedule D in order to then treat it short term, long term, and that's just the difference of how it would be taxed. Okay. How how do you feel about uh, the TurboTax? Uh, fr- TurboTax Credit Karma uh, that does free online filing. How do you how do you feel about those at all? It's a tremendous money maker for me because I fix those returns all the time. Um, <laughs> That's great. I am yeah. so frustrated. I literally have a notation because I I've went through TurboTax uh, a couple times and I literally have a notation on my phone where I have all my information on it that specifically has an expletive. Don't use TurboTax again. <laughs> yeah. And I was so, because they, they rope you in. It's literally like I get scammed. They, they say, it's going to be free. Everything's free. I sit in front of the computer. I, I have stocks. I have dividends that, that come in, which makes things just more and more complicated. All this, I finally go through all this mess. And then they go, oh, yeah, this costs $120, by the way. Sure. And I'm like, are you, what? Whatever was free, like you're a scam artist, and I was so yeah. frustrated. And they're talking simple tax return. They're saying one W two, then they'll do it for free. I'm pretty sure. But yeah, I don't. I've never used the platform, but I mean, what I fix all the time are cost basis issues for clients. So that's them not knowing what they bought the stock at, um, and then they realize they have a financial advisor, and then they say to them, "Hey, Jesse." You couldn't have got Apple stock at zero. So when you sold it at, you know, $15,000, you paid something for it when you bought it. So that's when I come in because the financial planner refers me. I fix the problem and then it converts to a year round client for me um, just moving forward. And that's how I built my book of business is just networking with the people that can't make money or they need that trusted advisor in the mix. So mortgage professionals, you know, if it's. Um, Paul's trying to buy a house, but he hasn't filed a tax return in five years. Well, how's he going to buy a house? So at that point I get into the mix, I prepare your returns, 
you're compliant, you're no longer going to, you know, stray from being compliant anymore. And I just keep that person moving forward if I'm a great fit for them. So, sure. but the, those platforms, I think if it's a very basic return, cause I'll see it all the time. I had a client and you know, he was, he is an artist, um, didn't make a tremendous amount of money, made about $35,000 a year. Um, I was doing his parents return, but when I reviewed his, I saw that instead of getting like, um, I think he paid like 12 or $1,500 a year. When I looked at the return and did a quick draft on mine, uh, I think he would have got like $700 back. So in that scenario, it's like a $2,000 swing. Um, and for somebody that's making under 40 grand and has been doing his own taxes for 20 years, that's a lot of money. Um, yeah. and what was happening is however he was entering onto TurboTax's platform or whatever the free one he was using, he was entering that he had a home office and had business miles, but he must've been clicking something that was disallowing it. So the problem is when he looks at the actual tax return, he can't read it to be able to say, did he get credit for those deductions that he was entitled to? And therein lies the problem when you can't see whether or not you actually got the deduction that you were supposed to. Um, and that was the main difference when I did the return. And then he, he just didn't, he didn't see that those things weren't being deducted. And that was the difference. Um, and then it's just, it's just, it's awful that, you know, $2,000 times 20 years, for, you know, that's a whole year of his earnings yep. that he, he missed out on. Yeah. Um, so I think, so it's just, you, crazy. You do it for a living and that's the difference. Like it, it's a specific job that you provide to people. Whereas when, you know, Jesse and I try and do it, we've never done it before, you know, and it, I try and do it and we try and do those things, but it doesn't mean we're doing it the right and su successful way. And we're putting all of our money on the bank. The same turbo turbo tax has it done the right way, which in, in earlier years, in all fairness, I don't remember what years this was, but it was, it was probably like close to 10 years ago. I actually went through Liberty tax which was, I don't know if they're like nationwide, but they're here in the Midwest. There's they're here. Okay. Yeah, they so, charge an arm and a leg, But bro. they they used to, like, it used to not be that amount of money. Like, it was like $100, and then if you got a referral, or like 150 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever, and then you actually sat down with somebody, and you felt really confident about your tax return. And it was done really quick because they knew that they were doing. It wasn't a pain in the ass like doing it's because it online. Liberty, it's because Liberty but, Tax was dealing with you, a specific individual with only a W-2. But then also, I tried to go back through them in recent years and it was like $500 just for them to yeah. sit down. And I was like, well, I can't do that. Like that's, that's, <laughs> you know, I could, you know, I could do a hundred bucks, which now I'm about to have to go through a tax professional because I've, I've keep adding on other things and taxes just keep getting more and more confusing. It's like the more avenues of income you have, or the more things you get into just, it's, it's like this exponential growth of confusion. <laughs> So this year, now now I have a kid involved in all this where I'm just like, I'm going to go through a tax professional. I'm not just going to try to do it online, which typically I get way too overconfident. But like I said, TurboTax <laughs> was, you know, way, way too much. But oh, no. So that's my initial question. So like going through Liberty Tax compared to like close to 10 years ago, whenever I did it was so cheap. Now, now they're just like charging an arm and a leg. And it's, you know, is that just inflation? Is no. I think it's just become a lot of my colleagues aren't taking new clients. Um, and I think it's the amount of touches that they have with the client. So this year, let's say Paul was my client. In that scenario, Paul sends his stuff or uploads it to the portal. And then I'm saying, did you get a stimulus check? And then he may be giving me 
uh, why is it tax? Is it tax? And then I'm like, no, it's not tax, but it's, you know, it's recorded. And then your outcome of the return is impacted by it. Did you get a stimulus check? Did you get having foreign bank accounts? Did you have cryptocurrency? Um, did you, you know, in some states, they want to know about the health care. The federal is not caring about that, but the states are when it, some states are when it comes to that. And then those kind of things. How many times am I now reaching out to Paul to get what used to be in the past, just his W-2 and maybe some dividends or, you know, some stock trades. But now the cryptocurrency and all those other moving parts, as well as reaching out to you numerous times for these documents um, and some of them wanting for the due diligence side, wanting those actual documents that you've received in order to support the data entry um, has just not been worth it anymore. And there, it's not a volume play. I, I have a colleague and he used to charge the 150-ish range and he's totally abandoned that process. And he's probably, um, from what you're saying, Jesse, he's an arm, leg and an eye at this point, just because, you know, for him, what used to be a good use of his time has now just become too overwhelming. But hold so on, Chris. That... I, I, agree. I, I almost agree with you, but at the same time, like when I went through this process, and again, I, when I was using TurboTax, I made sure through myself before doing this, that my wife and I, we were having conversations like, hey, the deadline's coming up. We need to make sure we have all of our ducks in a row. And I was like, hey, do we have our, do we have what we've paid on our, uh, on our taxes and interest through our, through our house? Do we have what we paid in medical bills? Do we have, so I made sure I literally, whenever I did all of this stuff on TurboTax, we had her Ameritrade account. We had everything in line besides one document. And the only document I didn't have was what we paid in personal property tax on our house. So I agree with what you're saying to an extent with being frustrated with these people who don't have all the documents when they give them to the tax expert. I was ready mm -hmm. all the way up until one document. It's the only document I didn't have. So, and, and at that moment, it literally took me an hour and a half of my time to put all that information into one website. Sure. So that's kind of where I disagree with, with that. Yeah. And I mean, that, but not everyone's like that. Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Not everyone's like that. I mean, I, one CPA firm probably sent me 15 clients this year. So at that point, she doesn't have the infrastructure to handle any more clients. I don't know if that's going to be the same thing this coming year, but that was fantastic for me. Um, I think probably 12 of them converted to clients. The other three I wasn't a good fit for. So if she still is at her capacity, that's, you know, whether she's had enough or a lot of them have just dialed it in kind of like a concierge doctor and just said, I need X amount of clients or patients at this price point. And then they're not dealing with filing insurance and they're not doing those moving parts. Um, for me, the fixing the problems is a year round as a, a year round play. That's not seasonal. Um, so that that's where I'm used to those touches with the clients. So that, that hasn't been a struggle for me to be able to reach out X amount of times, but I have seen, I reach out to Jesse and say, Hey, I need this, these five things. He may answer two of the questions. And I'm kind of like, this is just reading comprehension that I'm asking you to do, not taxes. I'm just asking questions. So that's the part I see where it can get frustrating. Um, and then the same thing, another colleague is kind of like every year he raises his prices and he just finds that pain point of who he wants to work with. So I think the Liberty tax and that kind of a situation, maybe the business model's just not working based on the volume side of it. Who Maybe they got slapped for not doing some due diligence. I, I think the main struggle you would see with those organizations is the turnover because whoever you worked with last year or the year before, 
um, maybe is no longer with that firm or maybe they've gone out on their own. So I think that rapport that you would have with them may be the biggest struggle. Okay. So we're, uh, it's cause I want my thing to be relationship driven. I want to know. Definitely, you had a kid. Yeah. I want to know it's not just what happened this year. It's what's happening, uh, in the future. Just because we're talking about it. I want to talk about my most frustrating tax experience. Sure. <laughs> and I was newly into, um, Robin hood mm-hmm. and they gave, uh, which I currently at the time for the, for a handful of years, I was doing all my taxes, um, myself either through credit karma or turbo tax or whatever it was. Uh, through uh, free filing online. But um, Robinhood gave a promotional to where if just for joining on uh, the app, they would give you a free stock. So okay. I had a free stock of something. I couldn't even tell you what it was. It was like a $3 stock. And then after all of the filing that I had did, it was this one $3 stock that they had given me for free that was causing this massive hiccup to where I couldn't file. Like on a federal, on, on the federal level. And it was so, fr- I, w- I would literally, I would, I was like, I'll, I'll pay you $20 <laughs> just to get rid of this $3 stock that you gave me for free to where it wasn't this hiccup. That was the biggest, most frustrating. I don't even know how I worked it out. I probably went through like a half a bottle of whiskey, like almost breaking my computer. <laughs> I, I was like three, this is a $3, maybe not even $3. See, but it might I have been $2.15 cents worth <laughs> of a stock that I had sold because I got it for free and I was like, oh, I don't care about the stock and I sold it. And for some odd reason, because it was free, it had to deal with this whole other other side. And I'm like, man, this is like two or three dollars. But it like for like a stock that's three dollars, Chris. It's worth the the two hours I've gone through and right. struggle. But like Chris, you're not like, even gonna bat an eye at a three dollar stock, are know. you? No, I mean I'm with most of they're all sending me um a complete Robin Hood like Excel spreadsheet. And there's a different way with my software is how that would be entered. So it wouldn't be necessarily on a per transaction basis. There's a way to do a shortcut. I can put a PDF attachment on my return and then send it in that way. So there's a different, um, my software probably has a little more, is more user friendly to avoid those kind of headaches. I don't know, but I mean like, man, you're you're making me jump through hoops over like $3 right now. I wanted to file and just file and not have it be a thing, but they wouldn't let me file. Cause I was like, the IRS sure. isn't gonna come after $3, right? But they literally wouldn't let me file and I was already so deep into it that I had to figure it out. It was just such a pain. Yeah. I, I don't know that, that one in particular, I was like, I don't like, I would have paid 15 times the amount of what the stock value was just to not have to deal with it in taxes, <laughs> trying to file it online. Anyway, that was, my and Jesse, biggest. I'll see that a lot of times the biggest frustrating client that I'll run into is an engineer just because that individual is a smart human being, but they typically cause themselves a tax problem because they think they're entering it right. And whenever I get a client, first thing is, you know, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a software engineer. I'm a mechanical engineer. And right away, it's kind of like, all right, take a deep breath because this is going to be one where you not only you have to fix it, but you have to explain they did make the mistake at that at that point. Or they're going to want, I have no problem you wanting a deep understanding of what we're filing. But that's definitely one of those industries that because you're a smart human, um, that doing the taxes is something that you don't want to relinquish control over. Similar client this year, he spent like 15 hours on what it was he was doing. And I'm kind of like, you know, you look at the return, it's married couple, no kids, brought in like six, $700,000. And it's like, why are you spending 15 hours preparing your return? You know, that's just, but he's just wanting, and he was overcomplicating the whole thing. So we're on a, a three-way Zoom call with his financial planner, 
the two of them and myself. And I'm kind of like, you're, you're just making this harder than it needs to be. Um, and unless you're needing 15 hours away from your wife in order to frustrate yourself, I, I can take this off your hands. Right. Um, so it's just the opportunity cost. What's the best use of your time no. and not make a problem? No, absolutely. Like I'm willing to pay the $500. Like if it comes down to it, like I'm this year with everything else that's it been It won't be 500, on, bro. They, but they, I don't even care. There like, are people out there that will do it for, you know, like, like 2 I, or 300, but not 500. That's like, like crazy. I, said, I, I have notations. Like I I will pay the $500 for somebody to just do it for me and it's not worth that like 20 It's like a whole night. I literally I'll get I'll get a whiskey, you know, I'll I'll try to like okay, I'm doing my taxes now online. <laughs> you know? Like I, I refuse to do it again. Yeah, like, I'm right there with you, man. I tried it this year, Chris. I mean, we're we're getting close to the end of the hour, man. And uh, there's one thing that that's kind of been big or kind of been itching at me throughout the podcast. And Jesse and I have been in the service industry for quite a while. Um, when it comes to restaurants and stuff like that, and I think like the when you look throughout the scope of all 50 states, I'm not entirely sure what it is in North Carolina, but when you come out here to Kansas, Missouri, for the longest time, it was 2.13 an hour is what they were paying, mm. what they were paying servers. Now, in Kansas, that's still the case. It's 2.13 per an hour, but in Missouri, they have raised the minimum wage to 12 bucks an hour, so they're paying servers 6 bucks an hour. You know, um, any, any type of staff that gets a reduction in pay, it's that minimum is 6 bucks. Um, but in Kansas, it's still two thirteen an hour. What is your advice to those people, especially probably more so on the Kansas side, whenever they're making you know sixty to seventy thousand dollars a year serving tables or bartending, but they're only making two thirteen per an hour? What's your advice to them? I mean, that's it's. I mean, I would look at whatever the big picture is. So if you're talking about how they swallow the fact that it's a lower hourly wage but overall they're compensated well is that what you're referring to well more so the tax side because if let's say you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and let's, again you're making 60 to seventy thousand dollars yeah. you're only making 213 per an hour if you're claiming all of those tips 100 percent, which is what you're supposed to do yeah. but the restaurants give you the option not to do that yeah you know what i'm saying if you claim all those tips you're gonna owe a shit ton of money because Absolutely. that two dollars an hour is not enough to cover your taxes what is sure. your what is your well, they could, they could have a side hustle and they could then report um, on a Schedule C, as in Chris, there you could have a side business doing something and a loss on that will offset the earned income that they would have from their um, tips as well as their W-2 earnings. So, um, and, and I see it often. I have, I have a client and she makes real money. I mean, she makes like five dollars $600,000 a year. The husband makes like 20 grand as a W-2. And I was like, why? Like, what do you, they give more to their church than he makes. So I said, if you had any passion towards any industry, go ahead and be self-employed. You could lose 50 grand and save your house more in taxes than you make in 20 grand. So I, I would say for that server, um, you know, even if they had a dog walking business or they had something on the side to claim a loss that would offset the gain and just have a legitimate thing. You know, you, you have to turn a profit at some point. I think it's three out of five years, um, but they could, you know, revamp what it is they were trying to do in order to um, make it a legitimate business. But th that, that loss in that situation would offset that gain. But you no, know, if they were reporting it like they should be, they'll get hammered on taxes. That's crazy. So side that's hustle. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, side hustle. But even side at that hustle. point, you have to go through like some some hoops and balances, man. I think that's crazy. Like, 
Like, I, oh wait, but before, because we're probably getting close. I have to ask this question before I forget. Yeah. This is in spirit of the third guy that's normally here, who's not here okay. tonight. Um, he is a big proponent proponent in the idea of completely eliminating um, all income tax. Okay. Um, and just having it sales based tax, which would probably wreck your industry a little bit. But how do you feel about that? To where there, well, there is... people still would have problems, so I'm okay with that. Um, okay. I would think the problem is, and Paul and I talked about it, um, the wealthier you get and the older you get, the less you typically buy things. So that's where, um, and I had a client, a personal friend client, he's an economist, and he that's, that was his argument, is that as Paul gets closer, let's say, to retirement, he may be in his last home, and for the last 20 years of his life, he may not buy another car, he may not buy another house, so he may not have those big ticket items that are purchased in your 30s and 40s and 50s, so you'd be losing out on the taxes that he wouldn't be contributing to. And the um, inflation's not there either. He's not yeah. also matching the inflation that's happening. Okay. So I don't think there's a perfect system. The flat tax, those other moving parts, I don't think there's a perfect system, but there's still, it could be done much better. So what Absolutely. Do you, what I just do you, had to bring that up because for in sure. spirit sure. of Johnny, in oh, spirit definitely. of Johnny, that's, that's a I good question, to, man. Yeah. I had um, to ask that question. This is my last question, Chris. Um, what do you say to people out there who don't, um, who believe in the fact that they don't have to pay taxes? The, the well, straw, the, the straw man argument, know, the straw man argument where like, you know, like I, I, I was born into this system and I was given a social security number, but I don't want to be a part of that. And I'm going to work my whole life and not pay any taxes. I'm not going to do any of that stuff because it's not legal, blah, blah, blah. I think something has to resonate with you, whether it's the school system and helping that roads, the military, something has to make you want to improve those or keep those systems strong. Um, because regardless of your political affiliation, some, one of those things has to matter. Um, and I would think that's where, you know, you, I think your time would be better spent trying to improve those areas and make sure it's, you know, the, the school system is making good use of their funds or the military or whomever it is that you actually care about, um, work on how they're spending that money as opposed to fighting the fact that you should be paying it. Cause they're going to, you're going to lose on not paying. But, but it. I, I completely agree. But, but, Cause but taxes are, are but, absolutely essential. But, the, what I'm, what I'm asking though is are there loopholes within the tax system where you don't have to pay it? Like when you look at like Donald Trump, for instance, and these, and we kind of went into the rich people and I know we're at the end of the hour and you're probably pressed for time. Um, but I think this is very important. You look at like whenever Anderson Cooper was asking Trump about a $900 million loss and, and he looked at Hillary in the face and he's like, your donors do the same thing. You're a senator. You put all these laws in place so your donors could, you know, respectively enjoy these tax breaks like I do. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So is that a tax write-off donating to a political party? Well, well I don't know about hold that. On. Can, but, can you on. answer that question, actually? Is that I, a tax write-off donating I, to a political I party? I believe so, up to a certain amount. I, I, I can get you an answer on it offline. But you know what I'm saying? Like, whenever you go into that realm, like, people don't want to pay taxes whenever you look at people like Donald Trump and all these major corporations. And I know we briefly got into it on the phone earlier. All these big people not paying. You, We can all probably see the moral issue in the idea that donating to a political party can be a tax write-off. Yeah, that, oh, absolutely. And I'm not positive on that, but I can I can, I can get anyway, you an would, answer. But yeah, okay. the systems are in place. And definitely, Paul, I think that the fact that he is exploiting the what's been put in place is just he's got smart people 
working for him to make use of the system. So I again, I don't have a problem taking advantage of any loopholes that are in place when it comes to that. Um, but you know, it's just absurd that I think more of the public servants getting rich. They, you can see those numbers when they go into office making this, they come out of office making that. That's where the math doesn't make sense if it's a hundred thousand dollar a year job, but now you've come out a multimillionaire. No, so. dude, I completely agree with that. I, I know that we're running like low on time, and we've been bouncing around a lot too. I, another question just came up into my head. I heard this. Just so you have somebody hires an artist to paint them a piece, and they pay that artist fifteen thousand dollars for that piece. And then goes and gets that piece of artwork evaluated, and then somebody will put that piece of artwork at $250,000. Sure. They then donate that $250,000 piece of artwork to a museum and then has that as a tax write-off and then doesn't have to pay taxes that year because they, they made, like, I don't know, $1.5 million or whatever. Does that actually happen? I don't know. I don't have any clients like that. So, I, I, but again, that's a great question. If you did, you wouldn't talk about it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I was just, I also heard about just so much things in the art community and evaluating art and donating it is also tax evasion in some way for reasons of that. I just didn't know if you could touch on that at all. No, but I'm going to get you an answer on the art thing. And I'm going to get you an answer on the political thing. Okay. Rock on, Chris, man. So uh, it, it's been a, a fun packed hour, man. I know we bounced around a lot, no, but it was bunch. dude. Yeah, that was we bounced. bounced it, we normally don't b bounce around that much, man. But like we've been huge. Like within the four years that we've done the podcast, we've never done anything when it comes specifically to tax and sure. just focusing in on tax. So I think that's probably majority of why it was that yeah. way. But I greatly appreciate you, man. Um, where can people find you? Do you practice out of state? Are you allowed to do taxes in all fifty states? That type of thing. Yeah, I'm licensed in all states. So I'm an enrolled agent, which nobody knows what that means, but it's a federally licensed designation to represent clients in all states. So whether someone has a problem with California's franchise tax board or the feds or, you know, Texas and a sales tax issue, they don't have income tax, but all across the board, I can help anyone with preparation or representation. Is like to where you get as far as your licensing go, like let's say like a series seven to be like a financial mm -hmm. advisor. Is that in that same realm of difficulty to, to achieve? Yeah, so it's okay. the highest federally licensed designation that there is for taxes um, from that standpoint. So just Google enrolled agent. Um, I mean, I didn't have that much problem with the tests, but I've known plenty that really were like, oh, it was a complete nightmare. I think because it was uh, more real life stuff. It wasn't like true false. It was more problem solving um that it resonated with me there was an ethics part a business part and a personal side and it just um to me it didn't seem that difficult um but all in all yeah all states license um the representation i think is fun because you're just dealing with humans um you can find me it's guardian tax solutions um i'm based out of north carolina but licensed all over the place I'll put all the links in the description below on each of the videos, Chris. Awesome. Great. Hey, before I let you go, man, this one last question I got to ask you. What's, yeah. What doppelganger celebrity do you get the most? Um, Really, I think like um, Ross from like Friends or something. Oh, shit. Oh, I, I didn't even see that. see that. I didn't see, see that. I can see that. I was more like a, you look like, an, uh, no offense, but an older Shiloh, Bu Shiloh Bluff. Is it Bluff? Oh, Bluff. I don't know that. Bluff, yeah. That's kind of what I got. I, I get like Rob Schneider, man. So that's kind of where I'm okay. at. But I like the Ross one. Man. That's badass. We, we were saying some stuff about Chris Jericho, the wrestler. 
Yeah, yeah, because yeah. of your name mm-hmm. is close. Yeah. But I'm like, we yeah. can't even bring that up. We weren't even going to bring that up to the guy. No, we, we were like, that's <laughs> unprofessional. No, I hear that. I hear that all the time. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. With, okay. With the name side, obviously. Yeah, the name yeah. side. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Chris, greatly appreciate you, man. Thanks for joining Talk Junkies. I hope you have a blessed night and a beautiful rest of your week, my man. Yeah. Likewise, I enjoyed it. And don't hesitate if you ever have any tax question, guys. I appreciate you. Rock on, man. Thank have you, a good Chris. night. Take care. You too. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Cherico. He's uh, out in North Carolina with the, the, the tax information. So I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. I hope you liked everything that you uh, that you saw. If you have any questions or any comments down below, and, and if we have Chris on again to have some questions for him next time, please put it in the comments below. Um, the best thing you can do for this video is share, like, subscribe, and, and hit that like button to all our junkies out there. Stay fly and ring the bell.